Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea, and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team, and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it, because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend, and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days, and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on Abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. I just want uh, people to know that uh, blacks are hurting and uh as we related to sports, the sports that are predominantly black, the WNBA, the NBA, and the NFL, all of those players are performing with heavy hearts. We're still showing up to try to do our jobs because when Kyle Rittenhouse in Milwaukee, um, as a 17-year-old, kills two people, yet three cops aren't directly charged for killing Breonna Taylor, it shows you how they feel about black lives in America. So what I want to encourage people to do out there, my favorite sport actually is uh, football. And the most important thing in that game is field position. So we're starting the game, Jay Will, Paul, Maria. It's 400 years of slavery to zero. We know we're not going to win. But you still got to continue to move the ball forward. I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. Welcome to the season finale. Gotta move without mistakes cause they keeping the tally. We had plans of making millions, then leaving for Cali. Now the city's on fire, even in Cali. Postponed. Last night the people learned how to throw stones. So they shooting gas at them to make sure they go home. In the past it ain't last, but it's all changed. The word is unturned, how we leaving no stone. Killed them outside and they left them stone cold. Left them on the street and left his family with a broke home. Barbecue man with a business homegrown. Even gave away plates to the fellas on patrol. Everybody knows they never tell you I don't know stories for my grandkids. I can't tell if I don't go. Did you come to smash your skateboard against the glass? Or are you down for the cause? It's hard to tell in all the smoke. These times got me reading the times. Lord knows my whole life we've been seeing the signs. Rather turn a blind eye just to think that it's fine. Is the change going to come? And if it does, will we see it in time? There's men that went to war and put their dreaming aside. Before they left, found a girl to put their semen inside. Knowing well the child's all that they be leaving behind. We keep it going till it's the end of time. Welcome to the Two Bigs Podcast. I'm Willie Cologne. He is black-ass Brandon. We have Jeski in the house, a.k.a. Ski. Ow. Super excited to be with you this week. Thank you for joining us. We can't get enough of you. Continue to rate, download, subscribe, or any yeah. order. It doesn't really matter. Just yeah. fucking do the damn thing. Touch buttons when you see the Touch screen with us. Touch buttons when you see us. Give yeah. us five stars, four stars, anything lower than four, four stars. Um... We may have to come find you. Just save your opinion. <laughs> Actually, like, don't give us that data. Don't give us that yeah, data. Put, don't put that on us. But this is the Two Big podcast, Two Bigs Podcast once again. A lot to dive into. Uh, we had an opportunity to sit down with Kimberly Martin, uh, a longtime friend of mine. She was actually the beat writer with the Jets when I was playing for the New York Jets. Um, fabulous, very smart, in-your-face, tough. Um, there's so many words I can use to describe this woman, but she's great. She's doing a great job for ESPN 
covering the NFL. Uh, we had an opportunity to sit down with her and talk to her about the recent comments that Jason Whitlock uh, yes. said about Katie Nolan and Maria Taylor in particular. Uh, she is a woman who's been in, in the sports industry covering sports. Uh, she's covered MLB and NASCAR, uh, football, and she's a fellow New Yorker. She's from Brooklyn. Um, so I have a lot of respect for her. And so she was able to sit down with me and Brandon and kind of uh, jump in the weeds and kind of get after it a little bit. I was nervous about talking about this at all because of how close we are to kind of Whitlock and also the, the conversation around speaking about women's yeah. attractiveness in the industry of sports coverage, right? right? Because at the end of the day, we're just men talking about it and we can't even get our perspectives outside of just being men talking about it. That's why I'm glad you, you called her up and we got her perspective on it. And, uh, I, I, I we've gotten this far without talking about Jason Whitlock, mm. which has been nice. And so, I, and I, and I don't have any like hate in my heart. I don't know. Yeah. Please open this up, Willie. Right. So, uh, briefly me and Brandon both know Jason Whitlock personally. When I was at, when I was interviewing to join Fox, I'll be a part of the Fox uh, Fox Empire, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Willock was somebody who I was on a show. I had auditioned for a show. And this was before uh, Speak for Yourself. Yes, this was building Speak for Yourself. Yeah, this was in the process of building Speak for Yourself with Colin Hurd and him. And so I was auditioning to be uh, to at least have a chair on that platform. Didn't work out. Nah, ne- needless to say. Didn't work out for him either. Yeah, but yours was more my choice. You, you wasn't fired. No, I was saying for him. Well, yeah, for him, yeah, he, yeah that didn't go well. <laughs> um, but as far as my personal relationship, I really never had any issue with Jason. I always felt like the things he said, I didn't particularly like his stance with Callum Kaep- uh, Kaepernick and other things he had did in relation to that issue. I felt it was very uh, demeaning and a million other things you could say about that. Yeah. Um, however, what I did appreciate about Jason was when we were offline – or maybe behind the scenes, he always came across as somebody who had genuine gems to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and being black in this industry, anytime somebody who's been a part of um, the pirate ship or been in the muck or been in the stew of trying to navigate their careers through media, you tend to sit back and listen because he had been doing it for a long time, right. had been a part of so many different entities. How can I not listen and, and take what he's given me? Right. And I think the same speaks for you. Yeah. I mean, as a young black man in the industry, I met him at Ball State when I was a GA, and everyone was like, oh, you need to meet this guy. Meanwhile, like, I'm really close with the, the Gullick family at the ESPN, and I was like, if I have to call somebody at ESPN, it's not going to be this guy I don't, I've never heard of at sure. that point in time because he was covering for PTI and things like that. But, you know, over a long period of time, I kind of recognized that he really cared about putting young black men on in the industry mm-hmm. and kind of, I guess he pushed that on into me and kind of taught me how to be paranoid in ways that are are good and bad at Fox around the lot whenever they needed to tell Whitlock something you know that he didn't want to hear they would let me know first and I was called the Whitlock whisperer but um so I, and I had some you know we we just had a lot of personal things that have gone on just because we had worked together for such a long time um but last time I spoke to him was when I told him I was leaving for this gig uh, I came into his office and and told him I was I was headed out and we hadn't had a conversation because we had like a kind of a falling out the last time we we um we met and right. had like a big dinner uh so it, the relationship that I have with him is just kind of always reading into whatever rhetoric he pushes out and and understanding that it's a separate it's separate from who he is and his entity and who and like his different issues and we talked about 
you know, mental health and things of like, we all yeah. need to figure out what's wrong with us. I think he is trying to figure out what's wrong with him, but he has a, he has a stick and he has a lane and he knows how to get people's attention so much so that we're talking about him right now. Yeah. And so it's wild too, because so Jason, um, has now left Fox and he's on outkick TV. Outkick, yep. Outkick the, out, outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. Uh, Clay Travis built that from, you know, being right. from, from Tennessee following SEC sports. And so he's jumped out there and pretty much said some, um, I guess, not jarring, because if you know Jason Whitlock, he's capable of this. Right. It just seems like somebody who at this point is now probably the top five troll in sports media. Yeah, that's And fair. I think some people who are fighting for progress, um, particularly people of color, aren't happy with him and honestly can't stand him <laughs> on a lot of different levels. Uh, we were able to sit down with Kimberly Martin, and talk to her about Jason Whitlock's comments uh, in regards to Maria Taylor, Katie, Katie Nolan, and uh, we got into some football talk. So here it is, Kimberly Martin of ESPN. We got a very special guest, somebody who I've known a long time, who's doing amazing work uh, covering the National Football League. She's covered MLB. She's covered NASCAR. She was actually the beat writer uh, for Newsday when I was with the Jets, Brandon. Damn. Yep, from 2012 to 2017. Uh, she was the beat writer for the Washington Redskins, and she is absolutely glamorous and fantastic. <laughs> um, somebody who I love dearly. She 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 tends to grind my uh, grind my rails a little bit. She, yeah, grind your gears. Yeah, she can she can be a tough ass, but I, I love her to death. Kimberly A. Martin, what a what, what is up, darling? <laughs> what is going on? I'm not cutting any checks for that for that nice intro. That's just, you are speaking the truth. I am that amazing. She's currently with ESPN. Uh, you can catch her anytime you turn it on ESPN. And then they're talking about football. She'll pop up, give you the big smile to one, two, and she gets off the screen. She just she just disappears. <laughs> so it's uh, thank you for doing this once again. Professional and efficient. Well, what made you start getting covered in sports and getting into the NFL? And how long have you been in the business? Got oh. Uh, how many questions are you going to hit me with? Well, you know what? I had one more in the tuck, but I was going to you know, let you finish these. <laughs> uh, how long have I been doing this? Uh, I started on the Jets beat in 2012. That was my first first beat ever, but probably since 2010. So, yeah, I just always loved sports. Been a tomboy for a long time and love 90s Nick. Like, I'm from Brooklyn, so that is, like, that's my time. That's my time when the Knicks used to be good um, <laughs> way back when. But, yeah, no, sports is cool. I love the NFL, love covering. I mean, will you tell you I love the NFL because you get to talk about guys and, and paint them as the three-dimensional figures that they are. Mm -hmm. So, And I don't think a lot of people take the time to do that. So NFL players love the game but love being able to tell the stories, you know, on, on guys behind the helmet. Hell, yeah. I want to. I had to call you because obviously uh, there's been some um, sexist, inappropriate, uh, demeaning remarks by somebody I know you've probably run across. Me and Brandon actually know this man personally. Um, Brandon worked for him when Brandon was at Fox. Uh, I, when I was at Fox, he was surprisingly a guy who kind of took me underneath his wing for a quick second and tried to teach me the ropes. However, I didn't know he was this type of guy. Yeah, yeah, which was was just shocking. Uh, to me, however, being you know bouncing back and forth between Fox and ESPN, kind of hearing this man's name 
throw it out, thrown out there, people kind of t- <laughs> used to cr- cringe up their face as if somebody farted in the room. <laughs> Uh, so I'm talking about Jason Whitlock. Uh, this is the man, you know, a beat writer. Uh, I don't know what you want to call him. Um, a blogger. He, uh, he once called LeBron James a bigot that, that yes. he did do that. Yeah, he does that. Um, he's talked about Katie Nolan. He's talked about Maria Taylor, uh, and this kind of, so he stated, and he was talking about, you know, the incident that happened with Maria Taylor on Monday night football, how that asshole, uh, Dan McNeil. Dan McNeil pretty much said that you know she like she could be a host of the AVN Awards. Totally inappropriate. Well, Jason Whitlock, once again, somebody who I know, I know you know B personally, um, came out and pretty much said, "Hey, she's tall, attractive, and quite personable on TV, and that, um, and that if she gets that gig because she's tall, and that ESPN is pretty much pipelining her." To be kind of the face uh, of the program, if you will. Yes, uh, fast-tracking her for what he calls beauty privilege. Right. And then he went on to say, you know, uh, beauty transformed Katie Nolan from bartender to seven-figure personality, uh, Emmy Award winner, winner, and now the darling of aroused bloggers and TV critics willing to ignore her uh, pedestrian humor and inability to execute live television. He wrote. This is something he wrote in his, in his blog. Uh, Kim, you've been around a long time. You've always been outspoken. You've always put your nose to anybody else's nose. That's why I love you. Um, when you heard and got wind of all this, what did you think? You know, and it go. I don't know Jason personally, um, but to me, it's it's like bigger than him. Mm-hmm. You know, like I tweeted, how come every time I'm on Twitter, I open up Twitter and I see somebody else taking another shot at Maria? Look, nobody in this business is perfect. Um, I understand the mistake with AD leaving him off. I get it. Like I'm not. Nobody's arguing whether that was the right move or not. But to me, what bothers me is like the energy is just never the same when it comes to women in this space, and particularly Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I get offended. Um, I think, you know, people. And it's always the people who have never done the job or have never tried to do do the job or can't do the job that want to critique those in the job. So people don't people now think Maria all of a sudden has come out of nowhere. No, she hasn't. No, she hasn't. She's been working her way up. You know, like I'm new to ESPN. Jason probably doesn't know who I am. And that's okay. But for anybody, you know, we've all as women in this business have gotten those tweets, those comments, those emails, like, what is she doing? Why is she there? Why does she have the platform? And it's like, they never take the time to investigate how we got to this point. And they always want to reduce it to looks um, and try to, try to, you know, take a shot at our credibility. And that's, that's what bothers me, because there's a lot of men walking around in journalism who don't make any sense. There's a lot. <laughs> Let's just be real. Yeah, and that, true. And you know what I mean? And, and the again, the energy is not the same. You want to take shots at ESPN? Well, you know, no one wants to look at hiring practices in other places. No one wants, you know, one, I saw an article that was written about, um, you know, the amount of black editors and black black reporters at different newsrooms. But, you know, people don't take a look inward and see, like, how can we be better, Right. So with the Jason Whitlock thing, it bothered me because there's a pattern of calling out women. Mm. And, um, you know, my agent, uh, Alex Flanagan, actually wrote, she used to be a sideline reporter, worked at ESPN, NFL Network, a lot of people know her. And she even 
wrote on her own website something about, you know, the comments that Jason made to her years ago. She was governor of St. Seahawks game, right? Yeah, and yeah. everybody knows everybody knows Alex. Everybody respects the job that she did as a reporter or broadcaster. So it just keep the same energy and really take the time to to realize that these women, we didn't just show up out of nowhere. Mm. We have been grinding and one mistake or one thing that we do wrong, like we're human and it's okay to be pretty doing the job. It's okay if you're not pretty and doing the job. Like that's not like, however we show up and we want, as long as we're professional and we communicate the information and we give you the information and we do the job, that's it. It's really, that's all it is. I was going to ask you this, Kim. Um, You've been on, like, like, we just ripped off uh, quietly your, your resume. Um, through all your years, can you talk about the progression? Has there been progress, or do you feel like there's still, obviously there's still work to do when you got people like Whitlock out there. But from your time being a beat writer, being around the locker room, being around people who somewhat have, in, have power and control, do you feel like women have progressed in this industry? I think we have. I think, um, but again, yes. But again, there's always going to be, whether it's the trolls on Twitter, whether it's a player, whether it's an executive um, who might automatically assume that you don't know what you're talking about or who won't um, want to or who who just, you know, goes back to the gender mm. like like things that, you know, the, the same. It's almost about like the messenger sometimes like the same question can be asked by me or another guy. But how is it received? Um you know, whether it's asking for a number or whether it's asking a question like, hey, you know, I noticed on this play, like what, you know, what was the alignment? Like, what were you supposed to be doing? Like, who really messed up on that play? Like anything, like what was said before the huddle? Any question that I ask, somebody could take it some kind of way. Um, but in general, I find that most of the athletes that I, in all sports that I've dealt with, have been cool, have given me respect. Like, that's why you've always been one of my favorites. Um you know, but there are always going to be people who want to judge you just straight off of appearance, like mm. one look and they just want to want to rip you or make some assumption. And I get it when you're on TV. That's the visual medium that we're in. So you have to deal with that. But that doesn't make it right. That right. doesn't make it right. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't. And and I and what bothers me about again, it's not just about Jason. It's bigger than Jason, but it's the attitude that people feel that they can make those judgments and say those things to you at, without consequence and sort of like you have to deal with it. And it's like, wait a second, I'm not watching every show you do taking notes and writing columns and writing blogs or tweeting about why you have your job. Um, you know, there are former athletes that, that have a platform because they played the game. There are people that have platforms because they are contrarian. There are people who have platforms just because they are outspoken and they'll say crazy things and people will tune in. Like that and some people who are on TV because yes, they're attractive, but they're also smart. They're also intelligent. They also can gather information and relate to people and present it in a way that that's visually like pleasing and you know what i mean yeah. all of those things go into the job and for you to not be aware of your own shortcomings and what other people have had to do to get their jobs and really work hard that's what ticks me off uh real quick before i let you go be at any time during 
well, you're still working. I'm saying it like you're retired, which you're not. I mean, damn. <laughs> but during your time, um, during your time uh, chasing your dream and doing all this, uh, being a figurehead in sports, do you feel like at one point you had to dress down or do something to alter your look to kind of knife through the kind of the, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, oh, here, yeah. here. You know what I mean? Did you ever feel like I got to pull the hair back? I got to wear a coat. I got to look. I got to dress down so I can get the direct attention from a player or somebody that I'm interviewing. I, w I mean, when I came in as a newspaper person, I was always cognizant of of trying to dress professional or not trying to, like, you know, show off assets or anything like that. I think when I was became a beat writer, I walked into a locker room again with that Brooklyn face of like, please don't think I'm here for any other reason. But I need a quote. I need right. to write my story and go home. And and that was something that I went into the locker room almost like that armor of like I don't want I don't want people to make the wrong assumption about oh, I me. Know. So I'm gonna do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm gonna look like you know like like that real stank face. Like listen, it's just about business. And and unfortunately, I felt like I had to do that to prevent people from assuming what I thought they might assume, you know? And it's like, it, it, it's so much stuff that you are carrying around emotionally just to do the job and questioning, like, should I have, you know, was I too, fr like, did I smile too much? You know, like, and after a while, you're just like, I have to be myself. That is somebody who's friendly, engaging. Like, I play around, I'm nice, and I can come hit you with a hard question, and that's it. So, um, yeah, there were times early in my career, but I think as you get a little bit older and feel more secure about, the job that you're doing and yourself, it doesn't really matter what anybody else says as long as you know you're doing the job to the best of your ability. And it could be a turnoff, too, to a lot of players. If, if a woman approaches you and she she's giving you that stern kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm shoving this recording in your face and all I want is the answer. Because I've had beat writers, women beat writers come up on me. You weren't like that. You were just very like, hey, what's up? I'm Kim. And you was very casual. Some days, not all the time. Um, not, all not all the time. Sometimes I wanted to kick you in your in your back as you walked away. <laughs> um, but other, but I've I've been around women who come with that hard hysteria, and they're like, "Listen, you know, just give me what I want, what the coach saying, and da da da." And you're just like, breathe, like relax. Hold up, holds up. I will challenge you on that because when when all the other guys on the jet ski did that, all other guys in Pittsburgh. Well, I'm not talking about you specifically. Like, I'm just talking about I yeah. I know. But that, but it, but it, it's more noticeable when it feels like it's more noticeable when the woman comes up to you and yep. says like, "Listen, I'm just here for this." When the guys really do have the same energy, but mm. you know off the bat, like, okay, like, you know, Brian Costello's gonna ask a question about this or mm -hmm. what, I, you know, like. But I just think people expect us to be warmer and softer, and when we're not, it's like, mm -hmm. whoa, what's how, like, what's her problem? Mm -hmm. And. And we're like, I think when you're younger too, you're coming into like, listen, I'm just here professionally. Like, like I want to be like one of the guys. Like, I want you to respect me the same way you respect them. And after a while, like, you, it's a lot of mental gymnastics that you have to jump. You know, you have to go through as a woman to do the job. Mm. And as you get older, you realize, like, look, I can't. Like, if Willie doesn't understand that I'm here professionally and like. That I'm just I'm to be respected like all these other guys. Then I can't change will. I'm just using you because sure, yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like like and after a while you just say I just have to worry about me and the job that I'm doing and that's it. All that other stuff has to roll off your back a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you say that too because I just feel like 
I just don't see the the market changing or the the environment changing like like you use the term uh just being one of the guys like the it, the the issue is being male is the norm for the sports world when it comes to covering it and it's not the case by any means like you look at the landscape and that's that's not the case and you talk about the problems of having a Jason Whitlock in the industry and doing what he he's his voice can be as quiet as as we can make it, like a Twitter troll. But that opinion's always going to be there, unfortunately. I, I, I is that is that am I off by saying that? I I just think that as being a woman in this industry, doing your job and and being good at it, unfortunately comes with these criticisms that are about things that are completely outside of your job, and yeah. then also things that are within it it's just it's just that the spotlight and the criticism comes from you being interested or just having the job as a whole and i guess that's is, is that pessimistic to to look at it this way it might just be that's reality like doing the job the spotlight like you say like when you're at fox or espn or whatever the platform is bigger so more eyes are going to be on you that means more criticism more trolls whatever um again doesn't make it right Right. The same way life is different for people of color in America. You know what I mean? Like, True, yeah. You have to make it right, but that's the reality. And so you just sort of navigate those things um, when when you have to. Um, quickly for me, when I know you're big on social media, you follow you follow a lot of women who are in the sport um, that cover the sports. Uh, what I'm trying to say, do you turn? Do you find out the ones who kind of perk up or show themselves or? You know, there's there's always that one woman who has the nice tight dress, the boobs are perky, they look extra pretty, and they're kind of throwing themselves on Instagram. Do you say, really, are right, this is setting us back? Do you have those type of con- do you have those ideas? Do I have? You know, I think because we're sitting I, I, here, know. we're sitting here talking about women being respected for doing the job, and we're talking about how what they look like and how and and all the I guess the visuals shouldn't matter. But yet, there is some type of self-promotion from women who are in the industry who do put on a dress, perk the boobs up, kind of give you a little something to kind of draw you to them. Can, can, can it go both ways? Or should it be like, listen, if we want respect, we must carry ourselves in a respectful manner all the time, even if it's on our social media platform, our own personal think, social media platform? I, I think, honestly, I really focus on me. Um, because I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want somebody to make judgments about me just based off my Instagram feed or like this one interview or whatever. Right. Um, but I think each, each female reporter, each male reporter, you have to, everybody's got to make their own decision about how they conduct themselves in an interview, whether like why they're in the job, what's the end goal for them. And, um, if you, the, the thing is, if you trade on your looks, if, if all you care about it are your looks, understand people are going to attack you for for not having substance behind it. Like, they're going to assume you don't have substance mm-hmm. behind it, right? Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't, honestly don't, I don't waste time wondering about this person or that person. Like, I just know what I have to do. And I'm, you know, I'm not, a glamour queen like i just i'm a newspaper like writer at heart like i'm just i'm just me um so and i think if more people worried about their own their own grind and their own self mm-hmm. and and 
how and worrying about their own image and stop worrying about what she's doing or he's doing, I think the business would probably be better off. I think we'd all be better off if we just said, this is what's important to me and I'm going to go after it instead of worrying about what the next person's doing. All right. At this point in time, right now in the season, I've seen you tweet about a lot of stuff. Tyra Taylor just got punctured. I, I call it a, uh, I call it a conspiracy theory. And also, you know, we, we all talk about people of color getting treated differently between doctors. This feels like oh, that yeah. to me. What's <laughs> your biggest you headline? What's your, what's your, what are you most excited about going into the season culturally? Uh, just the, the things you see building up right now. Um, you know, the, obviously, the Breonna Taylor ruling that we just had, you know, the announcement, mm-hmm. no cops are being charged. I mean, that's heavy as a black woman, just as a as an American, that's heavy. And seeing how players and athletes are talking about it, and, and it's heavy for them. I am not surprised that that's the, the verdict, let's say, um, unfortunately, because if you understand how the laws are written, like, we kind of saw that coming. Um, but from a football standpoint... Um, I'm very, I'm so interested in Cam in New England. I mean, it's funny watching fans on Twitter saying like, I hated the Patriots for so long. And now I feel like I'm forced to root for them because Cam is there Mm -hmm. and Cam and Belichick is just so wild. Um, you know, who's the new team in the AFC, AFC East? Is it going to be the Patriots still? Are the Bills actually going to make enough noise and continue it? I'm going to Buffalo this weekend, actually. So I'm going to see Rams Bills, both 2-0, um, so, yeah, I, Willie, I don't know what's happening with the Jets. I feel like I say that every year, so right. I'm not even going to touch on that. But And really, in, in the NFC West, like, I'm really bummed about the 49ers because that the NFC West was stacked. I mean, mm-hmm. it's still stacked. Russell's my pick for it. He's my preseason pick for MVP, um, league MVP. So I think a lot of teams in the NFC West are going to shock some people and, and, and make it far. So okay. That'll be exciting. I have to jump on because you said Russell Wilson. Why don't we respect him as one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in the, in the world? Like, as, as you're talking about people, talking about Cam, you said Cam Newton, right? If Russell Wilson goes right. to another team, I don't know if the people that are vote are like rooting for Cam Newton are going to be following, oh, yeah. you know, Russell Wilson yeah. to the next gig the way that they should yeah. because of who he is. Yeah, if, Dak, if, if Russell Wilson was to go to Jacksonville, I'm not following him. Wow, really? Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's a Willie problem. No, <laughs> no I think that's. Well, I want to speak on why he gets this disrespect that he gets. The, I, I I don't know because I would be interested in Russell in Jacksonville wherever he goes because no um in Jacksonville um as long as they have some other weapons with him like he like he had a decent team who um. But I don't know. I, is Russell, does he get disrespected? Or has Russell just never been MVP because other people just had better seasons that particular year? Like, I know, I think Russell Wilson is one of the best quarterbacks. Like, if you don't, then that's not, like, I, I don't know why that is. I really don't. Because the guy, and the fact that they're going to let Russ cook a little bit this year, I'm very excited about that. Um, I mean, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Like, the same way we talk about Aaron Rodgers and, like, the game is never over. Like, mm. Aaron can do whatever. Like, you see him running around and you're like, okay, we have a shot. I feel that same way about Russell. And I don't know why more people wouldn't. You need to tell me. Help me out, Woody. It's Woody. <laughs> I'm thinking about Woody Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about Woody Johnson. Lord right. have mercy. Willie, help me out. I don't know why you wouldn't. What if – so – one if Russell was to land in Jacksonville, I think you already hit it on the head. He wouldn't have the weapons, and I don't want to see somebody who I consider an elite quarterback struggle 
in a shit town like Jacksonville. Jacksonville is not a sexy wow. team. Um, and Seattle is. And a large, a large part of that is because when the Seahawks started, they're kind of, uh, I guess, f- changing the script with the beast modes and that defense and everything. Russell was a big part of that. Yeah. And he kind of grew up with that team. And so for me to see him go somewhere else, uh, particularly like a team like Jacksonville, I'm just like, I don't know if I'm interested in that story. Like, for instance, Miami's playing Jacksonville tonight. How many people are watching that game? Nobody. Right? Because they stink. Watch. You watch it because it's your It's, it's going to be on. You ain't going to watch it. You it's going to be on. But if, 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 you didn't, if you didn't have to cover the game or watch the game, you wouldn't be watching that game. It's just not a sexy team. At one point, they were a sexy team. They're no longer a sexy team. As far as him not getting recognition, he deserves. I think a lot has to do with it. When they talk about the elites, they always talk Drew, Aaron, or uh, a fucking Brady. Tom, Brady. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that Russell's always been up there, but he gets overlooked mm-hmm. because you don't get to see enough Seahawks game unless unless you're yeah. watching mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Unless unless they're in the playoffs, you're not looking for the Seahawks on Sunday. You're just not. I I unless guess you're, unless you're a Seahawks fan or an NFC West fan. I guess I'm speaking culturally to the the lack of dip on his chip proverbially like he doesn't right. he's not as like well, then, but swaggy it, saucy and, and and people try to say he's corny and all this other thing and i think that's whoa, 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 that whoa, 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 whoa. why are you saying there ain't enough dip on his chip? he's mr unlimited most cringeworthy shit ever <laughs> that was not i don't why uh, uh, this, <laughs> Get, get literally get goosebumps I, thinking about but it. But I think Brandon has a point. I Kim, I think Bra- Brandon has a point. He's not as flashy. He's not. A, he's not. But as, he's flashy in his play. It's just like not off. Yeah, the, but but I'm talking about when you talk about all these quarterbacks I mentioned, right? Yeah. Like Aaron Rodgers has that kind of that Batman mystique, right? Yeah. That kind of polish. Yeah. I can I can take on the world type mentality. Tom Brady's been. He's a six time six time Super Bowl winner. He's done it. He's beat the odds so many times, so you know yeah. who Tom is. Drew Brees. The fact that Drew Brees – you're talking about a city that's defined a quarterback? New Orleans is the only – listen, if there's one quarterback that's gotten more juice from one city, it's Drew Brees. The fact that he plays in New Orleans for who that nation with everything that goes on in New Orleans and that has gone on, yeah, he gets, he gets, the, he gets the pass at the barbecue – because he does play for New Orleans, and that yeah. he was there post Katrina, and that he has brought a, a jolt of energy and, and life, and so and a, Super Bowl. O- and a Super Bowl. Ross, with everything he has, you know who's the sexiest player on his team at the time was Marshawn Lynch. Beast mode was it, rightfully so. No matter what Russ did on the field, and I watched him beat Greed May yeah. uh, to Doug Baldwin with that big throw. I watched it; I thought it was amazing. But at the end of the game, you know, you know what played before that kind of got that. Was Marshawn Lynch? Beast yeah. mode has always been the sexy figure on a team. So when you talk about what a quarterback brings to the table, it's the sexiness. Also, yeah, it's the the trouble with the defenses. No one talks about Brad Johnson and Tampa yeah, Buccaneers. I, you know, like when the, when the defense is the reason why you show up. Looking for Brad Johnson, right? Either. But I'm like, it, it, he's always gotten slighted because of the defense he's been around. Has also been the, always so good. Kim, you got us talking. Is football. this the year? Is this is this the year that you th- I know it's early? But maybe this is the year that Russell, he gets that long-coveted MVP. I hope so. I hope he that gets was it. My pick. I, hope I hope he gets so it. But I also realize, you know, why I don't. Why I'm upset that he may get it, because we're looking at three, two quarterbacks who we just considered elite quarterbacks on their down years. 
Brady doesn't look the same, nor does Drew look the same. Mm-hmm. Aaron looks great, and everybody else. It, Russ is the, number, the best quarterback in the league right now, hands down. So you're talking about Russ and Aaron Rodgers at one and two, and Brady and Breeze are just kind of getting that Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know, when, remember when Hakeem went to the Toronto Raptors? Everybody's yeah. like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. When Patrick Ewing went to the Orlando Magic, everybody's like, oh, what's going on? Well, guess, well, guess we're supported. That's that feeling I'm getting. But when you look at Russell and Aaron, you're like, that's it for us right now. But culturally speaking, too, you're, we haven't mentioned Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, who is the reigning MVP, and I'm a Ravens fan. So there's a lot of factors to why Russell maybe never get that. But I just – I, I was trying to look at it from a, a, a cultural landscape and, and, and him being the Carlton of the NFL and, and being amazing on and off the field. Do not diminish that's, that. That's unnecessary. I, 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 I completely agree, and I apologize if I had to say it. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, we don't talk football. We don't usually talk football on this podcast. We don't. This this is a society and culture podcast, and you got us talking football. Um, I'm sorry. Listen, uh, I never thought it it would come a time where I'm actually interviewing you. Um, Isn't that crazy? Ain't that wild? (laughs) There was time when she would harass me at my locker room and be like, Willie, and beat me up. Uh, But thank you for doing this. I know you're busy. I know you got to get ready for tonight and everything. Uh, going on this weekend, so thank you for the it's bottom of my heart. Game tonight, it's a big game. You know tonight. it ain't. I'll be watching. You know it ain't. It's the trash <laughs> game. Dolphins, Jacksonville. Ain't nobody watching that. I'd rather watch Dancing with the text, Stars. I'm gonna text you tomorrow morning after it's a it's an exciting game. I'm gonna text you tomorrow morning. And be like, see what you missed. Just watch. Just wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna text you in the morning. Kimberly Martin, catch you on ESPN covering all things football. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. All right, so that was our sit-down with Kimberly Martin, once again, of ESPN. You can check her out on game days, Thursday night, and talking all things football on Sunday uh, on the ESPN channel. Um, what did you think about it? I was surprised that Alex Flanagan is her agent. I that threw me it. off, too. I was I, like, oh. Like, oh. I didn't even know Alex Flanagan was was, was representing people. Right. When that's that's awesome. But, uh, you know, she's, she's awesome in – uh, I'm glad that she brought up um, just when she's talking about the storylines that she's most excited or not most excited, like looking forward to and looking to see developed. And she went right into Breonna Taylor's case and Breonna Taylor, someone from Louisville, Kentucky, a woman who was 26 years old, shot and killed uh, in her home. And I, I don't want to go in nauseam about the logistics of the case, but the, obviously the indictment came out and. Uh, no police officers were charged with her death, which is... Well, one was charged, but it wasn't charged with... To your point, it wasn't charged with her death. It was charged in the shooting in a neighbor. Warrant, warrant endangerment. Yes. Uh, from bullets that were geared towards Breonna Taylor's home entering the apartment of an adjacent neighbor who had, was a pregnant woman, her husband, and their five-year-old child. So that officer is charged with three counts of wanton endangerment uh, to serve consecutively. So that's one to five years each. And, you know, we're not – the point of bringing all this up and having this conversation is that we do not believe that justice was served At all. for Breonna Taylor. Obviously, like Kimberly alluded to, the way the law is, is written and made up, we weren't expecting to get justice, but when the – verdict came through it hurt hurt a little bit differently and uh me being from louisville and thinking about all of my family and, and friends and 
the people like Breonna Taylor who are just trying to get by and be happy and, and create their life as the best way they could for her to be killed in her home. Um, wrong, wrongfully. And, and no one to, to answer for that. It's, 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 it's tough, but chaos has ensued since, uh, there's been protests in the city. Yeah, two police shot, officers were shot. shot. Yep. Uh, it's a bunch of unfortunate events is happening. And, and I don't want, I, we're not at the point where, I'm I'm thinking of the riots and the protest as justice for Breonna Taylor, but this is the result from the lack thereof. Yeah, it's tough to read when I read up on her, um, Breonna Taylor, that is. It was tough to sit back and understand this woman was an expire, aspiring nurse. Um, she was a certified medical, you know, a medical technician. Um, and she was in her own home. And that's just a blatant fact. And that this... You know, a lot of people, well, a lot of people, somebody, because once the news broke, I went on Twitter and just started clapping at people, and people started clapping back at me. And they were just like, well, she shouldn't have been dating a drug dealer. or And I'm just like, man, this dude was 28 years old inside his own apartment. They didn't find drugs. If you walk into anybody's house, and if they think they're getting invaded or they think somebody's breaking into it, and you have a gun, that's the reason why you – the reasons you buy a gun is to stop somebody from either harming you or your place. Yeah. And so he reacted and got his gun and fired yeah. at the cops. So the cops never fired, fired back, which led to the death of Breonna Taylor. And she was – so the story is as this was going on, she was scrambling to get her clothes, and then when the gunshots happened, she got hit. Um, six times. Six times. And – a lot of people like to bring up his case, and I think this is this needs to be noted. It says he was arrested and charged with attempted murder following the incident for allegedly shooting one of the officers who opened fire into Taylor uh, Taylor's apartment, Breonna Taylor. Right? It says the attempted murder charge was later dropped pending the outcome of Jefferson County Commonwealth Attorney uh, Attorney Tom Wine uh, called the additional investigation by the state of FBI. Right, so that's that's pretty much highlighting for Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. Yes, for yeah. Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. But a lot of people like to always throw out the fact that he was arrested in late August after failing to pay. Uh, so this is her ex boyfriend, excuse me. So I, they brought up her ex boyfriend, who I didn't know about. So this is a guy by the name of Jamarcus Glover, who was the focus of the Louisville Police narcotics investigation. Mm. I guess he led. Right. Why they were coming. Uh, I'm reading this. Excuse me. It says uh, Jamarcus Glover, and I'm repeating this, uh, was the focus of the Louisville police narcotics investigation that led to plainclothes officers to execute a warrant on Taylor's home. He had previously dated Taylor on and off for seven years. Uh, it says the police said that Glover, excuse me, who was suspected of supplying a local drug house, had recently recently used Taylor's residence as his current home address. Um so the dude they was looking for wasn't even there. She had been removed him herself from him, and, it, and the reason I bring that part up because that was one of the comments that I kept that, that kept being clapped back at me. Right. Well, if you don't want that type of trouble in your life, why would you be dating somebody who could bring that in your life? The dude she had broke up with the dude who they yeah. were looking for, and so it leads to the intel, it leads to the process, it leads to a lot of things were already screwed up from the beginning. Yeah. They they had no business being at this woman's house. Mm -hmm. And she's no longer with us. So I just I at this point in time I don't nobody was there at that point uh when the shooting happened. Uh all the facts that come from it are 
facts that I I don't know. I, I guess I'm too much of a conspiracy theorist to right. just take everything that I hear for. No, I'm, I'm in the for, same way. For yeah, for facts and based and all I know is Breonna Taylor uh, was murdered or and was killed by police officers. How the variables of the, how that happened, um, and in my hometown. And I'm I'm just I've been really sad about it, man. I've been really happy no, but, about it, and it's just it's hard to talk about and to rationalize because I I don't know. It's hard to talk about feeling helpless. Is that if that makes no, sense? Like not. trying to trying to find the words to uh, deliver that 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 feel of hopelessness and 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 the the allure and illusion of justice in this in this country and in the justice system, and that's why. A lot of people of color just never want to get anywhere near police in activity at all. Well, just to back your compi- your feelings of conspiracy, um, a lot of people. I guess there's there's a such thing as a no knock warrant, right? Right. There's that one thing, and then people saying, "Well, he did knock." There were supposedly right. witnesses. Nobody knows that. It's very up and down. Um, but this is what I do know. It says there. I'm reading this. I'm kind of paraphrasing through this article that I read on uh, MSNBC, uh, and it's pretty much saying uh, one of the facts, because I, I looked up the facts, in a, uh, the facts on the Breonna Taylor case, and one of the facts that popped up was there is no police body camera video of what transpired in the moments, of, uh, moments after the officers broke through Taylor's door. Police said they identified themselves and didn't knock uh, the door off its hinges, but did use a battering ram to open the door. That's a that's that's a problem in itself. Yeah. So if you don't knock, but you go through my beat door, the door in, you beat my door in. What am I? What am I to, to suspect? Right. Yeah. So uh, once again, like I said, I I hope I did a good enough job, kind of chopping it. We were, I read this article uh, as we were as we're sitting here doing this, and I'm the facts that just come out and kind of just jump at you. It's very jarring. And um, when we started this podcast, you know, part of me was to drive this podcast in a different way. But Brandon was like, man, anytime things like this happen, we don't speak up, but yet we want to address the black community or the black demographic, and we don't speak about it. And we come across as soft, misinformed, and somewhat cowardly. And I said, B, you're right. We got to talk about the good, but we got to address the bad. And surprisingly, not surprisingly, and that's the wrong word I, I use, unfortunately, these things are popping up every other month. And so here we are. Uh, once again, talking about Breonna Taylor, no justice for her, even though people feel like things are has been justified. Um, it's an on and on situation. We'll see what happens and what transpire, uh, but we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you once again to Kimberly Martin, uh, who sat down to chop it up with me and B. Uh, it's a quick podcast because we just have a million things going on. We thank you for uh, jumping on with us and see you next week. Two Bigs Podcast. 